You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the post-game edition of the Talking About podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kennedy. The Sixers won 111 to 101 against Dallas tonight at home, their second straight win and a good way to kick off this three game homestand. Joining me on the line to talk about the game is Jackson Frank of Liberty Ballers and many other fine publications. Jackson, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. That was uh, just from a basketball perspective. That was a, that was a fun one to watch. A lot of uh Good things the Sixers did well and good things that the Mavericks tried to do that sometimes work, but were countered by a, a good all-around performance from Philadelphia. Yeah, definitely one of the more well-rounded performances the Sixers have had lately. I, I, a lot of the talk in in the recent weeks has been even when the Sixers win, it's they're either blowing a big lead and getting it back at the end just barely or beating a poor Orlando team uh needing to go to overtime. So this was a pretty clean win, start to finish, very low stress, um, which Sixers fans will certainly take. Uh, well, I, I think the main takeaway, at least offensively, was the Joel James Harden pick and roll and how effective that was. Uh, I know that was a, a talking point when Harden was being bandied about as a potential acquisition for Philly. And obviously we've talked about it since Harden has arrived, but it feels like they're really fine in their comfort zone and any question that Embiid couldn't work as a roller seems pretty silly at this point. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I just, I tweeted early in the game. I think Joel had a really nice dunk or something on the roll, but what's beyond just him being an incredible basketball player, what's so impressive about Joel is you give him or he figures out a, a skill to, or weakness to identify or improve, he'll do it, whether it's becoming more discretionary as a, as a shot blocker early in his career, improving his passing, his conditioning, his versatility as a scorer. Now his rolling, like all these different things. And I'm sure that's only, that's only part of them that I'm missing, you know, a bunch of this screening, but um, all this could go on, but he just, he just does them. And, and I think, you know, this is another example where, you know, he's been clunky as a roller at times, doesn't have the greatest balance, but, I, you know, I, I can't imagine it's easy to have great balance at, at seven foot 280 or whatever. So, um, you know, that took some time, but he's just been so good at, you know, deciphering whether does he roll, does he stay at the free throw line? And I think what's really impressive too, is you can tell he changes his approach. You know, when you go, when, when Harden leaves and then team and Maxi doing more of the ball screen stuff, he stays closer to that free throw line because he knows that Maxi isn't quite the advanced passer that Harden is or anywhere close. Um, when it's Harden, he's rolling a little harder because he knows that Harden can hit him on a rope on the roll from 35 feet away. So um, yeah, that, that, that chemistry has kind of been there. It seems like from day one, but it felt like it'd gone away a little bit the last few games, but it was definitely back against Dallas. And it was kind of the, the, the bedrock of, of a good offensive performance against a really good defense. Yeah. Dallas top, I believe sixth, maybe in the league defensive efficiency mm-hmm. this year, they've 
done a great job in Jason Kidd's first year as the coach. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point about Embiid creating different angles uh, depending on who the the primary ball handler is. And with Maxi, he creates more of a, a release valve, mm-hmm. whereas Harden, he's aware that he can make those pocket passes and really fit it into a tight space. So he's a little more aggressive with the dives. Uh, hadn't quite thought about it like that, but as you're saying it, yeah, that makes a lot of sense with what he's been doing. And yeah, he's, we, we always talk about what a basketball savant he is. And I'm sure he was watching like YouTube of Draymond Green and other great like short rollers in, in recent history for, for what to do in these situations. And he's really diagnosing on the fly. Okay. They're giving me a little space. Maybe I can just hit this 12 foot jumper. Uh, all right. They, they went hard and attacked the double attacked the ball with a double team. Like as soon as I get it, I should have a free lane down the lane and I can, I should have an open dunk or something. Uh, he just, he's so smart. Um, he, he, and he knows exactly what to do and how to, how to process it almost immediately when he's out on the basketball court. Um, and we're kind of seeing that. So yeah, looking back the idea that he wouldn't figure it out how to play with one of the best passers in the league and, a you know, an all NBA caliber talent like Harden, it seems really ridiculous that people kind of discounted that. But um, so Harden, Harden had a great start passing the ball. And then he had one of his better kind of takeover scoring performances in the fourth quarter. Um, Do you, I I guess, what do you take away from that? Do you feel like this was a, a long time coming for him? Like finally hitting a few of those step back shots, like just, he was going through a shooting slump that, you know, every player goes through from time to time, or, or do you feel like this is more him finding his footing with the new team and, and getting a little more comfortable? Uh, what, are, what were your thoughts on Harden's big fourth quarter? Yeah, I thought it was just a really well-rounded performance. You know, I, I wrote the bell ringer about you know, 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. And, you know, I, I obviously there was some scoring, you know, there's a, there was that 10, 10 point stretch on his own, but, you know, had really good chemistry with George and that continues, you know, hit John or Jordan for a few lobs throughout the game. Uh, I just thought it was kind of a well-rounded stretch right there in the fourth. I think he scored or assisted on the first 14 points of that quarter. Um, like I said, including 10 of his own, but I don't know. I think, you know, he was, he, he didn't have a good shooting. He hadn't, he hadn't had a lot of good shooting games and he had a couple of, a couple of bad games. I would consider the Orlando and the Brooklyn game bad, but I thought he was still good against the, the bulls last week. I thought he was very good against the, the nuggets, including the second half, especially. Um, so I, I didn't worry a ton. I think, I think for me, just, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to say like I knew more, but I had known that Harden wasn't this, this voluminous score anymore. Like he was in Houston when he was averaging 34 to 36, I knew he was more of a 20 to 24, maybe he can get you 35 on a great night. Um, so I can maybe see why people were, were a little disappointed, but he just doesn't have that same level of, of kind of dynamic explosiveness or athleticism anymore to handle that level of scoring volume. Um, I think that's kind of an underrated part of often to superstars is being able to just carry that many shots a guy like Embiid, a guy like Luca um, and Harden just isn't that guy anymore, which isn't, doesn't mean he can't be a number two on a title team. doesn't mean he's not helping this team at all. He clearly is. Um, but I didn't really expect him to be this 30 point per game score that he'd been during his, you know, his prime years in Houston. So, um, but in this one, especially, I just thought he, he really kind of had his way with Spencer did what he um, did when he's been really good offensively in, in Dallas, but he's never, even when he was in Brooklyn and kind of breaking out, he was never known as a very good defender. He's not a terrible defender, but um, just doesn't have that kind of combination of size and strength that you kind of need to bother Harden. 
you know, Josh Green gave him some issues. Isaac Okoro earlier this week also gave him some issues and didn't really just not that guy. So um, just really kind of took advantage of that and, you know, just found his stride. And then once Embiid came back in, it was a little bit just like, all right, we're not going to cruise, but we don't need, you know, to, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Right. So um, it was just a really good stretch from him. And that's one of the reasons they got Harden, right. Is to buoy the non-Embiid minutes. And I think he did that both in the first and second half. I don't, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but I feel like the offense still ran pretty smoothly during the not during the 14 non embiid minutes, even if in the first half, you know, Danny missed his threes, George missed his threes. I felt, I felt like the process was pretty good. And you saw that kind of come to fruition in that in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it's not a one-to-one analogous, but DeAndre Jordan was a plus five in his 13 minutes. So that's the majority of the non-embiid minutes are covered there. So they certainly did more than hold their own when Embiid was on the bench. And that, that was Harden predominantly, you know, lift, lifting the tide himself. Um, yeah, it's, he, he, he doesn't have to be the, the 30 to 35 point guy for this team because, you know, Joel Embiid is that guy. So he can settle back into more of like the, dis- the distribution role. And if I can, it's almost, what it almost reminds me of is the reverse of when Chris Paul got traded to Houston where he was still really good, but he wasn't the MVP candidate anymore. And Harden was that guy and he maybe was on the decline. And now, now it's Embiid is Harden in that role. And and Harden's Chris Paul, I just came to, just kind of came to mind there a little bit, but that's almost how I see it. Very different players, obviously, but you know, that's kind of how I see broadly some similarities there. Right. Just using veteran savvy, letting the game come to them a little bit more and just making the smart basketball play rather than forcing things. Um, yeah. Harden, Harden, uh, very, very good game tonight. He was also great on the defensive end, I thought, which we're going to, we're going to talk about in a little bit when we talk about the team defense as a whole. Um, before we do that, uh, another good offensive performance I wanted to point out was, was Tobias Harris. Yet another game where he, he really seems to have figured it out that he needs to just let it fly when the ball comes to him. He had a two for three from three tonight. Both were just catch and shoot kind of, kind of deals. He had a couple of really decisive quick drives to the basket. I know people were very out on Tobias and it's clear at this point, he's not going to be a 18 point per game scorer because he doesn't need to be with this roster. He's not going to get those opportunities with Embiid and Harden around, but in the last two weeks or so we can have two weeks. I feel like he's really kind of settled in and, and established his role. He looks a lot better than he did when James Harden first arrived. Um, would you agree with that assessment or what, what did you see from Tobias tonight? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And obviously, you know, the, the blow up to the Nets, it got overshadowed for, for, for justified reasons, right? You lose to a division rival like that. You're not going to kind of find that initially the kernels of optimism immediately, but he was four or five of three in that game. And since then he's gone three of five, two of four, three of six, two of three. Um, so like, I just think that that game kind of, he found something in that game, obviously, you want to win against the Nets because you want to because you want to be a division rival, but also you just want to win because every game matters in this heat of playoff race. But he, whatever happened there, he's been able to kind of maintain and he's letting it fly more, uh, just being more willing. You know, he's if he's not taking those threes, he's decisive. If they're not, if a lane to drive isn't there, he's not dribbling the ball as much. I thought that was something that stood out to me. I didn't, I didn't remember many plays where I dribbled the ball more than like three, four, five, three or four times. I'll, I'll set it at three. Um, and there weren't those kind of plays where he's 
dribbling back and down and taking those really weird, ugly fadeaways. Yeah. Um, there, there were a couple I, I remember, but it was because he had like a six, three guard on him. So I, I, I felt like it was more than justified and he, he usually got himself into good position for like a little six to eight footer over a much smaller guy. So in those yeah. instances, I was like, okay, okay, Toby, that's, that's guess, the spot for it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just should phrase it as like unproductive sequence. Yeah. That. When he's back, when he's, when he's backing down from 14 feet and goes all the way, gets all the way to four feet, that's productive. Like you don't, yeah. you want Tobias to try that every possession, but if he's getting deep position on a Jalen Brunson, which I, I can't remember that specific player in the first half or midway in this, the first half when he did it, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's when he doesn't move any closer to the basket and you're like, all right, to like, Let's keep the ball moving, Tobias. Yeah, um, he, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't get it with 18 seconds left on the clock and had to pass it with five left without, yeah, and, without doing anything. <laughs> and, and there weren't many sequences where it was like, uh, Tobias, he ran a pick and roll and Joel was open or the swing pass open. He just thought he was really good in his role tonight. And even, you know, we'll get into the defense, but I thought he was solid defensively. You know, the the he, he had some possessions on Luca and Brunson, and I thought the Sixers in general were good about throwing different guys at those two really good scorers to kind of keep them off balance, so... Um, just another really good game from Dubai. I thought he was good against the Cavs. He was okay against the Nuggets, really good against the Magic. So um, they're and they're gonna need it. Like he's he's kind of their their fourth guy, maybe three and a half. You know, Maxi is still kind of Maxi's been really good for the most part, but there's still gonna be nights like tonight where it's not not clicking all the time for him, and maybe the transition volume isn't always there. So um, they really need Tobias to be this level of guy. And that and it doesn't have to be the 26 points he had against the Magic. It can be. 19 on efficient shooting against the Cavs. It can be 14. It can be even the 16 against the Nets. Obviously, you don't want the, the result to be the same as it was against the Nets, but 10, 12 shots and being efficient with your touches is all they need. Like Tobias can be really, really good in this role, and it can be a, a key a key part of a really, really good offense. And that's what you saw against the Mavs. Absolutely. And I know Sixers fans are hoping to see more of this moving forward because yeah, as you said, they need they need him. Um, they don't have a great depth of roster right now. So the guys they do have who, who are capable of being at least 15 point per game scorers, they need those guys to be do- doing that on a consistent basis, like, like Tobias. So yeah, another good night for him. Um, so I, I mentioned the bench has been struggling of late and that there's no denying that, but I thought the supporting cast actually had a pretty good game tonight. Uh, George Niang went four or seven from three. Um, three. Three of those came in almost rapid succession in the third quarter when they went on a nice little run to kind of build their lead. Um, Matisse went two of two from three, three of three from uh, the, the field overall. He had a, a, a nice cut for, a, I, I think it was a dunker. It was either a dunker or a lay-in as his other basket. And um, yeah, just... Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about DeAndre Jordan a little bit because he's been kind of divisive. And uh, I, I know you, you you've we're going to talk about it, but you've shifted a little bit from the, the all out DeAndre Jordan should never play again <laughs> mood that some people are in. But, yeah, we, we were talking offline and it just feels like it's such a relief when when George is hitting a couple shots and Matisse gives you anything on offense. And it just feels like Joel and James don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders. If the, if the supporting guys are doing at, at least a little something to chip in offensively. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, that, I mean, I've, I think I tweeted in one of George's recent portions, maybe the Orlando game. Like you, I think if you're a Sixers fan, Sixers person, you have to be a little bit apprehensive that you feel fairly like the, the ceiling of this team feels fairly tied to a bench player whose primary value was taking and making 
you know, spot up threes or, you know, a little bit off movement threes on those, those slide screen actions. So, um, but, that, but George is really good at that. He's been awesome all year, but you have nights like Sunday and Monday where, uh, or Monday and Wednesday, excuse me. Um, Cause he was good against, he was good against Orlando apologies, George, if you're listening to this podcast, you were, you're <laughs> um, but you have nights where the ball doesn't go in and he struggles to defend in space. And he doesn't have much of an off dribble game. And it just like, you don't have it. Like you don't, maybe, maybe if you're watching and you're a fan, you're frustrated with him, but you don't, you don't like feel like there's an obvious answer around that. Right. Like maybe when Danny misses shots or Matisse is struggling, you're like, let's see if we can give Isaiah Joe a run. But like with George, like we, you need him. Right. So um, when you get a game like that, where he has, you know, 12 points in the second half, he has, as you said, I think he had nine points in like a three minute stretch. And it came in a pretty key stretch. His first three came right after uh, Dallas cut the lead to two. It looked like things were maybe tightening back up and then boom, he hits one. Uh, Jalen Brunson comes down, scores. George did another one. Jordan, Josh Green hits one. And then uh, the Sixers did something else. And then uh, I think Embiid was out or something. And, uh, and George, another one off of a, a screen from or a screen for James Harden. So, um, yeah, he, he was really good. And that's, you know, the Sixers don't need like an incredible bench, right? They just, they, they're going to stagger their two offensive stars and you're going to mostly, most of the offense is going to be derived from those two. And, and that's fine, but you need, you need George to go four of seven from three every now and then you need Danny to have, you know, a night where he goes three of six rather than one of six. You need John Jordan to, you know, he was he was three of five tonight, but I, I think he scored on all the possessions, right? I think his two misses were that one yeah. sequence and shot the ball three times on, on one play. Yeah, he so. he, he kind of uh, – he was an assist killer on a really nice feed from James <laughs> and missed missed the lay-in, but then he, he got two more offensive rebounds and eventually put yeah. it in, yeah. The point being is, like, you need you need that where Jordan – where DeAndre scored on three – like, six points on three possessions. So, um, you're not asking them to have any 15 points per game scores. You don't even need 12 points from George all the time. You just need three of seven, three of six, you know, two of five, just to stay solid. You can't have the nights like you had against Cleveland and Denver. You just, you don't need a ton, but you need more than what they had in those games. And, and that was the difference. And, you know, and, and the Sixers had a really, really good win against a team that's been playing awesome basketball and beating a lot of good teams, including the Sixers, you know, pre James Harden era, but that team was still good. So um, they've been playing really well recently. And that's in, the fact that the Sixers got something out of their bench offensively tonight was was kind of the reason they beat a team that's been awesome as of late and beat them. I wouldn't say handily, but the game kind of always felt like it was in the it was dictated by the Sixers for the last twenty five or so minutes, and that's that's impressive. Yeah, Dallas certainly hung in there, but it, it felt like the Sixers were in control. It, there was never a real point where Sixers fans were thinking oh here we go again they're gonna blow it like it always felt like they had their their hand on the wheel and they the it wasn't it wasn't a stressful outing by any means um and then they they really pulled away in the fourth um but yeah it's in the in the postseason they're probably gonna you know a nine-man rotation but real like really an eight-man rotation with just a few minutes sprinkled in for the ninth guy so realistically it's george it's danny and it's whoever the guy giving MB to breather is going to be, which currently it's DeAndre Jordan. So as long as George and Danny are hitting enough shots to keep the defense honest and George has been tremendous all year, uh, he's shooting 40% once again from three. Uh, yeah. You, you feel good enough about it. It's we worry a lot about it in the regular season because they're, they're playing 10, 10 deep on some nights and those heavy bench lineups are pretty brutal at times, but 
in in the postseason, you're going to have like three year starters out on the court at least most most of the time. So it mitigates the concern about your depth. Um, of course, that is hoping everyone stays healthy. And we saw in the last postseason against Atlanta, you know, Danny Green gets hurt, and suddenly, you know, it's a lot more cork moss than you want. Like it's breaking case of emergency, Shake Milton, uh, and 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 those things can add up, which is why smart teams like Phoenix and Milwaukee really go out of their way to add deep bench pieces just just in case kind of thing um but right now you know it's not not something you worry about and you had to give up some depth to get James Harden here so that's that's kind of the the price you had to pay so you just go forward with what you have um but yeah it's every everyone clicked tonight and just a really solid team win across the board and yeah as you said Dallas has been playing great uh, eight of their last nine I believe um, so yeah, you have to feel really happy with this performance tonight. So we're, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. When we come back, we, we're going to have a little more talk on Deandre Jordan, and then we're going to talk about the team defense tonight and how well they did in guarding Luka Doncic. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, and we're back. So, Jackson, uh, the Liberty Baller Slack is a very anti-DeAndre Jordan getting minutes for him. You, while not being a, a cheerleader for Jordan, have, and correct me if I'm miscategorizing your thoughts, but you basically said that he's better than he showed in his first handful of games in a Sixers uniform. And realistically, you just need him to allow James Harden to lift his offensive game and get a couple of those lobs like we saw tonight. And defensively he's got enough left in the tank just to kind of tread water for 10 to 12 minutes is that is that a fair summarization of your thoughts on Dr. Jordan yeah and I, I do want to preface here what I've seen from Jordan as a defender act like act in terms of like the activity level is better than what I saw in Los Angeles and Brooklyn on it but at the same time I'm watching every minute Jordan plays in Philadelphia whereas in Brooklyn Los Angeles I'm catching one to two games a week at best and so my, my kind of my vantage point is very much different, but I think he's been more active. And so if he sustains this level, where he hasn't been great, he gave up the corner three to Tiffany Smith tonight where he should have gotten it. But he also had a really good block on a Brunson drive, I think. Has had a couple of those, it seems like, over the past week or so. If he's that little defender, all he has to do is continue to, to hit shots um, and make shots around the rim because as much as he's regressed as a defender, he went from like an all-NBA caliber defender um, to the guy who doesn't move a lot or at least previous spots or previous teams. He didn't move very much. And that was a huge issue. Um, he still finishes the heck out of shots. 
Um, you know, dating back, I'd say his regression kind of is big fall off there when he signed that contract with Dallas. 69% with Dallas, 67% with the Knicks, 69% with Brooklyn, 80% last year with the Nets, 71% around the rim um, with LA. Those are all shots at the rim, I should say, from cleaning the glass. Um, this year with Philly, four of 12 in his five games. So um, DeAndre Jordan's issues, I'm not saying otherwise, but if he plays the level of activity he did, he's has through, I guess, six games now and still is that 70%-ish finisher, I think he's okay. I would give I would give Charles Bassey and Paul Reed a shot, but I don't think it's the end of the world if DeAndre Jordan wins those minutes. Like I think those guys deserve a chance to prove they're better. But if it, if they don't, I don't think that it's like oh the sky is falling. Maybe that changes against in the playoffs, but I think he's been okay in terms of the process. It's just he has gone from being a dominant finisher to a guy who is shooting like below league average from three, but it happens to be at the rim. So. Um, he was better tonight. I think he was three of five. And like I said, that included two shots that he, he got, got his own rebound from. So um, another thing too, and I think before, maybe, I don't know if it's still the case, but at one point recently, the Sixers were dead last in offensive rebounding rate. Jordan has definitely helped out there with that. So um, I'm not here to be like, oh, Jordan's the, the total solution, but I think he's better than maybe the consensus has suggested but that's not for me to say that Charles Bassey and Paul Reed don't deserve a shot because I think they do and they could give you something pretty useful. I think especially Bassey could fill a very similar role to what Jordan is, but give you a lot more kind of defensive versatility and activity. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with giving Bassey or Reed a look. I, I feel like especially Bassey with when he played back in November and Doc was pretty adamant talking about how advanced he was in his defensive positioning and understanding where to be, which I know for doc is like a big sticking point, like young guys not being disciplined and being out of position. That's kind of why he doesn't like to give them minutes. Um, so for him to praise Bassing in that area, and he had a couple of really good performances against Denver and Boston. And then just to like not see the floor at all after that for months on end is kind of weird. Um, and, with regards to in regards to Jordan, it it just continues to be head scratching to me that Daryl Morey went on the record as saying like in the postseason what you need from your backup big is to be able to stretch the floor and move move lateral defensively, and that's <laughs> kind of the antithesis of what DeAndre yeah. Jordan is as a player. Um, so yeah, it is it's good that he can kind of finish lobs from James Harden, and he had a couple nice finishes tonight against Dallas. But you brought up that Finney Smith play, and I'm glad you did because that I remember it specifically. I had I threw my hands up in the air as soon as it happened. Like, oh my gosh, this is why DeAndre Jordan shouldn't be in the game. They they did a really good job on a Doncic drive, and they had two guys on him to completely shut him <laughs> down in the paint. And DeAndre Jordan is five feet away, just staring at it when his man's wide open in the corner. Uh, uh, just like, what are you doing, man? It's like stop ball watching. And it was the same thing that happened against Denver, which the play that Tom West clipped and then put in his piece for why Reed and Bassey should get a look where Jordan's just ball watching while he's guarding Nikola Jokic and Jokic cuts by him without Jordan even noticing and gets, you know, an easy look in the paint. Uh, so the fact that he does that kind of thing, like if you're a veteran who is supposed to be this great defender I, I i understand if you know you don't have the the spring that you once did and you can't block 
some of the shots you used to be able to get to or whatever else, or you can't, can't quite slide over in time to defend a driver. Like you might've been able to five years ago, but like, why, why are you ball watching and forgetting where your man is and other stuff like that? That's, it's super frustrating to me. Um, and if like, I would think doc rivers, that's the kind of stuff that really like sticks in his craw, but he lets it go because it's a guy he has, he has experience with and, Oh, it's a vet. So if a, if a rookie did that, he wouldn't play for a couple of weeks. Um, so that's, that's kind of stuff that frustrates me, uh, more so than anything. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. And there was another play later where he got caught on, and this is, I wouldn't really blame Jordan for this, but like he got caught on a switch and didn't what he drove right by him. And I think maybe didn't what he hooked his arm or whatever, but I mean, if you're the Sixers, you can't really complain about hooking arms on drives because <laughs> that's kind of like part of how James Harden draws so many fouls. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, again, I'm not, I'm not here. Like, you're not, you're not suggesting this. You're not framing this. I'm not here to say like, no, but like, it's like Deion Jordan's infallible, but just here to say like, if he does give you the normal finishing you expect, I think the defensive activity has been better than I anticipated. And so I see why he could be okay. Um, the thing, and this is just speculation. I do wonder like how much of it is just like, like does, does Harden maybe like, like the reliability, like, and like the reliability of that lob threat. Obviously, we know Bassey can be a pretty good lob threat, but he doesn't have any sort of familiarity with Bassey. He played with John or Jordan for a year in Brooklyn. Obviously, Jordan wasn't in the rotation for, for the entire year last season, but um, that's just speculation. I'm not trying to see, like, oh, James Harden's the reason that John and Jordan is, is the only backup center these days, but just just kind of an, maybe an idea that you can tell how much Jordan or Harden likes having that release valve on drives because, you know, as much as Harden can get into the paint, he isn't a very good finisher these days and you can kind of just tell he doesn't have much spring off the ground. So having that kind of release valve, he had that really nice over the shoulder pass and Jordan had a good lob in the second half. So um, just kind of a thought there that maybe it's not all on doc. Um, maybe it's something that Harden likes as well, but again, this is not reporting just, just kind of pure hypothesizing about why maybe Jordan's been the only guy to get kind of backup center minutes since he, he joined the team. Yeah. But I, I think we can, uh, surmise that doc just wants to go with the vet. Um, there, yeah. there was reporting that when Daryl Morey signed Andre Drummond, he specifically told doc like, Hey, listen, I'm signing Drummond, but you don't, you don't need <laughs> to have him be the set backup center every night. Like you can do other stuff. And doc just went, Nope, uh, we're going to just play Andre Drummond whenever Joel Embiid's not in the game. That's just how it's going to be, which Drummond was great. I'm not saying he didn't deserve to get those minutes, but that's just what doc rivers does. So yeah, even if even if Harden was saying this, I can't imagine that Doc is is too is too uh, you know disgruntled by that by that decision of Harden is calling you know calling some of the shot there. But yeah, I, I agree that Bassett should get a look. But I just you know I feel like when you cover a team, you have to try and at least figure out why decisions happen as they do, and otherwise you're gonna maybe go maybe go a little uh, you know you're gonna look like Charlie Day in that one. Uh, that one all the stuff, all yes, the well. You're you're a bit newer than some to covering Sixers basketball. Sixers fans have plenty of cork boards with strings up on their walls. <laughs> Trust me, that's that's nothing new around these parts. Um, so yeah, let's finish up with uh, the the defensive effort tonight, which was excellent. Uh, aside from Jalen Brunson, who, who I guess knows his way around the Wells Fargo center court, having played five games a year there during his collegiate career, when he won a couple national titles and a Naismith player of the year, uh, he, he hit his first seven shots from the field. He ended up with a team high 24 for Dallas with his dad in the house, former, former temple star, Rick Brunson. Um, but 
other than that, they did they did a great job. Luka Doncic was five for twenty from the field, including two of ten from three. Um, he did have ten assists, but that was against six turnovers. And then Spencer Dinwiddie was four of twelve from the field. So their other two primary drivers, uh, the Sixers did a very good job against. It was Matisse, but not uh, not so much him like completely shutting down, but him just bothering Luka enough that. He, he allowed Joel to, to hedge out, and Joel just had a, an amazing defensive game tonight, I thought. It was like one of his better defensive games of the season, just fully showing what he's capable of. There were plenty of plays when Joel was switched onto Luka and like guarded him out to the three-point line and did a very credible job. It amazes you that a seven-foot man is that spry and laterally quick and everything. Um, but yeah, the Sixers also went to a zone a fair amount, which kind of worked pretty well. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, every, everything they seemed to, to do tonight seemed to click. What, what did you see from what they chose to do defensively? Yeah, I think generally speaking, you, sum, you summed it up really well. Um, you know, Matisse, I thought was really good in the second half. First half, you know, kind of had those, those overly jumpy sequences. I think had three fouls early on. Um, but second half, he just did he did just enough to to kind of funnel Luca to Joel. And Joel, as you said, was was great. I mean, Tidecker had with five steals, had her play early in the game where he like he took a he didn't he he influenced Luca to not take that floater that he loves, and then somehow like backpedaled and spun around to break up the lob to Dwight Powell. I think they got a steal on that one. Had a couple other plays like that throughout the game. Um Luca gave Joel and the Sixers tons of issues in that comeback win back in I think January, maybe it was early February. Um, yeah. Clearly, clearly, Joel had studied the tape from that and was much. I, I don't really think it was on Joel. The, the perimeter defense was really poor, and Luca was just kind of in his bag in that one. But clearly, Joel had watched the tape or other tape from Luca and was was really ready for it. So, um, Joel was great. He said the, the activity, like another play where I think he, like, it was the second half. I think Joel had like really active hands. Didn't let didn't let Luca get to that kind of that one legged step back going left in the mid range. And then Luca took a, a late clock deep three over, over Joel that he missed. Um, they did a great job. He, he only had one shot in the restricted area tonight. Um, he made it, but like 5% rim frequency for a guy who loves to get into the paint and kind of, and I know his rim frequency, I think is down this year. They played a little different style offensively, but um, he's still over tw- almost 20% of his shots are coming there. So um, to only to limit him to one of those shots tonight was really impressive. It was testament to Joel. Um, you know, I thought Tobias had a couple of good possessions on him. James Harden had a couple of good possessions. Um, Danny Green, I think, closed this game, if, I, if I'm correct. Or not closed, but, you know, played played with the final, the starting unit until they were taken out. Um, he had some good stretches down, the, down you know, some, some good sequence down the stretch, just kind of using his physicality and understanding of angles and positioning really well. So um, it, it started with just staying solid at the point of attack. And then if you got close enough, Joel is going to take over because Luca can get to that three, but he really likes to work in kind of that free throw line and in, whether it's, you know, baiting the, a help defender from the corner so he can spray that skip pass or it's finding a guy on a lob, getting that floater, those turnaround jumpers he loves. Um, so, you know, he, he, I don't know what his numbers were against Brooklyn, but he was really, he was on fire as a, as a shooter against Brooklyn and it worked out, but I didn't love the process watching that game recently. Um, and so it, it not, that's not to say that like, they didn't do a better job in the nets, but you could kind of see that maybe like Luca was, you know, loving the jumper the last couple of games. And um, the, the fact that the six were able to shut off the rim, he was more willing to kind of just take those shots and he didn't make them tonight. Uh, and he's, and he's, he's a streaky shooter as is. I'm not saying that like they got lucky or anything, but 
um, you kind of saw this kind of being this tendency being sown in the last game, um, but they still did a great job. And as you said, Joel was just, was just masterful with it. It was hedging, uh, playing drop, playing a little more aggressive drop. He was just incredible and was the main reason they, they had issues. And even, even Herod, like even Tobias on Jalen Brunson down the street, even for most of that game was great. Um, I don't know when exactly happened, but he had eight, but Brunson had like eight shots really early in the game, only ended with 14. Still was 10 of 14 from the field, but like when you have seven or eight shots in the first nine minutes, only with 14, you're in that sort of groove. That's a testament to the defense limited volume. And I thought Tobias used this, using his size, the point of attack was really key in that. So um, kudos to everyone really on the perimeter and then Joel as well, but um, just a really well-rounded team performance from, from them on that end against an offense that had been uh, kind of clicking as of late, I think. Yeah. So very encouraging stuff uh, to be sure. And you mentioned Harden. I just wanted to, also spotlight his defense, which I know you're tweeting a, a little bit about it during the game, but I, I think Sixers fans should be encouraged by what they've seen from Harden on the defensive end since he joined the team. Um, he's he's obviously not a stopper by any means, but he seems like he's giving good effort. Like every, every game, it seems like he he's like hustling down, sprinting into the corner to like save a loose ball or uh, diving on the floor, or just or just doing some like some kind of dirty work play where I, I I find myself raising my eyebrow like, huh, well, Harden really seems like he he cares out there. He's not he's not loofing by any means, which you know obviously he's a guy making however many millions of dollars like you would never expect him to, but that's that is what happens with star players sometimes. And then you they well, they'll smartly say like, oh, he's conserving energy for offense or something, but Harden hasn't been doing that. Um, and he seems to like know where to be. He has a good, good understanding of defensive rotations and uh, he, he has pretty good hands. Um, he's, he's been racking up some steals. So I, I know he's, you know, he's not going to be shutting down guys one-on-one in isolation, but I, I feel like he's not like a weak link where you get into the postseason. people are going to pick on him. I think he's been, he's been just fine. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. You've, you've tracked him from stop to stop more, more so than I have over the years. Is, is that fair? Like people should not be worried about his defense right now. I, yeah, I think, you know, the difference to me is he still has breakdowns, but they largely are just tied to his physical limitations. He just can't move very well laterally. Like he, you get him in space on the ball and he's going to have trouble, but uh, in Brooklyn, especially this year, maybe even last year, to an extent, I didn't watch as much of him last year in Brooklyn as I did this year a lot of his issues were just effort-based. He just wouldn't track it off the ball. He wouldn't make rotations, a low man, and, a, and kind of when he's a helper in pick and roll. That's not the case. He had a really nice play early in this game to kind of, I think he forced uh, Dwight Powell to miss a shot through me at a stealer in the second half that ignited a, a Tobias score on the break, uh, you know, kind of rotating. Uh, I think Luca had a lay down pass or something to, to Powell in the dunker spot and, and, and Harden broke it up. So um, he's always going to have issues. You know, he's not some perfect defender, but as you mentioned, he's, he's doing what he can. And that's, I think like he's been maybe a, a slight, like I'd say he's been a, probably a, above average guard defender um, and maybe a neutral defender on a whole, just acknowledging that guards have a tougher time crafting a, you know, an above average impact at, 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 at defensively. So um, I've been really impressed. I, I, I'm a little surprised because I just, I didn't know what to expect. I thought the offense would be better than it was in Brooklyn, but the defense has definitely taken a, a step forward and, um, so kudos to him and it's, it's helped a lot. It's, and the Sixers had some tough defensive games, but, um, I don't know. I, I like, I, I wrote that piece last week about the Sixers feeling pretty solid about the Sixers, but defensively in the postseason when you have Joel, but 
it's hard not to be optimistic when you when you get a performance like that, when you get Harden doing his thing, when you get Tobias playing to his strengths. And that's that's the beauty of Joel is he can do so many different things defensively that like you just he just kind of lets players the surrounding players fit into their optimal role uh, defensively. So uh, I think you have to be pretty encouraged. But yeah, it, it feels a lot more like yeah he has issues, but it's kind of intrinsic issues at this point rather than ones that he can control. Like he, he can't all of a sudden regain his, his lateral explosiveness in the season. So um, yeah, I've been, I've been very impressed by him. And uh, so yeah, big props to him. And it's, it's helped the defense be, I don't know if the number, I haven't looked at the numbers you know, update after today, but I feel like the defense has been pretty solid to defensive rating since Harden, uh, you know, joined the team. Maybe if we uh, exclude the Brooklyn game. <laughs> Even, yeah, even, they've had some, uh, some great defensive games. But, yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess if you want to throw that one up. But, yeah, I guess you got to keep them open, right? Because it's only been 10 games with every – Yeah. If you, I, th- I, th- I think that one, given the, the small sample size overall, probably skews the numbers where they won't look as good as they would otherwise. But, yeah, I think for the most part they have looked good um, on that end of the court. And as you said, it's a lot of it is Joel. And – yeah, Harden, as long as he's doing the other stuff, sure, he might get beat side to side by a driver, but you know, you know, he's going to be there to kind of erase any mistakes. It's going to be Joel Embiid, who's one of the best guys in that I can remember watching in recent history at, at erasing those mistakes. So, and, and the thing I would add about Harden is I know in Brooklyn, kind of the thing was like he just wouldn't fight around screens, like you had to switch everything. And I even wrote, I wrote like kind of a preview about how Harden would fit. And I, I noted that he doesn't really fight around screens. Like he fought, he fought around a couple of screens against the Mavs tonight. Like that, like, and like he was, he was trying to ice his screen. He was trying to get over. Like he had that one possession I was alluding to with Luca. Like he fought over the top of it, got between Luca and the screen. It was like, this is not the Harden that I watched in Brooklyn the last year and a half, year and a half. So like huge, huge props to him. And that's, that's important, right? Because the Sixers don't have four switchy rings or four switchy wings around Joel, right? They have some guy like Danny or Tobias, maybe Matisse can play can guard a few different positions, Maxi occasionally, but like the fact that they don't have to switch every ball screen with Harden involved is really important. So um, that stood out to me, especially. I think that's one of the biggest differences. They don't have to switch everything one through four or one through five with, with Harden. Yeah, that helps. They're, they are not the Raptors. They don't have an army of six, nine long arm defenders to be sure. Yeah. So it, it, it definitely helps that they are able to do different schemes and, and kind of fit the personnel a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, how different things can be when you're you're in a workplace you want to be in. I guess is <laughs> is the takeaway here when it comes to James. Um, so yeah. yeah, but as you said, just a lot of encouraging stuff from the Sixers tonight. Uh, a one eleven one oh nine victory over Dallas, and they have two more tough games in this homestand. So good to get one win out of the way. They'll be back uh, at it Sunday night against Toronto, and then a back-to-back Monday against Miami. So um, difficult part of the schedule, but if they play like they did tonight, you, you feel encouraged that they can uh, go toe-to-toe with anyone. So Jackson, thank you so much for joining me and recapping this win with me. Um, where can everybody find you on social media? And uh, I know you, you're you always busy with uh, work for other sites. Anything else out there you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. I'll have, some, I'll have an article about Joel here in the next few days uh, about some offensive stuff. Uh, I just wrote a cool thing about Carl Anthony Towns over at The Analyst uh, that came out today. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll talk again soon, Sean, but appreciate you having me on and 
I'm glad we could recap a, a fun game and one that had a lot of different wrinkles to discuss rather than just Joel and Harden are good. So <laughs> uh, clap our hands and move on. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Uh, well, jo- the team wasn't great, but Joel had 45, so they won. <laughs> we, we've had those, and it, it's always awesome watching Joel be amazing, but it, this was a, a lot more well-rounded effort, so more, more to talk about, which was nice. So, all right, well, Jackson, thanks again. And for everyone else out there, Hope you enjoyed the game and have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.